We want to thank you for listening to the past service on either the message archive on openlife.church, or maybe you are listening through iTunes. We had some technical difficulties on January 21st. And so this is actually being recorded in a little studio. And so it might sound a little bit different, but the content is still the same. And so we hope you enjoy today's talk. Well, we're in a series called For Blank, and we started this two weeks ago at the start of the new year. And what we really want to do is challenge ourselves to think and communicate in ways that promote what we are for, instead of always focusing on what we might be against. And, you know, we could have called this series Against blank. And if you really want that, I encourage you to just turn on the nightly news or check your Facebook feeds and you'll see a long list of things of what people are against. And so to move ourselves from what we're against, we've been looking at what God is for. And this has been our theme verse. It's found in Romans 8:31, and it says this, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And for the past few weeks, we've talked about first that God is for you. God loves you personally and God won't fail you and you're not forgotten by God. God is for you. The second thing we talked about last week was God is for us. We looked at what it means to be a part of a church, but part of the more global church. And God has empowered us by his Holy Spirit. We are the body body of Christ. God is for us. And so today we are going to expand that one step further. The, the verses we are focusing on are found in the book of Acts. And we want to look at that. If God is for us and he's for the church, then how does that play out? And so this is what the, the church that Jesus started had to figure out from the very beginning. And so there's this group of people who walked with Jesus, saw his miracles, saw the way that he loved. They saw his sacrifice firsthand and they saw his resurrection. They saw him ascend into heaven. And now they're waiting for the spirit's power, an advocate, a helper who Jesus would send to his followers. And that, that advocate, that helper, that's called the Holy Spirit. And so all the believers, when this story happens, they're gathered together in one place. And suddenly what seemed like a windstorm blew through this room. And in the Bible, it says that flame settled on each of them individually. It's called like tongues of fire. And so they began speaking speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit enabled each of them. And so there's people outside and they're beginning to hear this commotion and they wonder what is going on. And so they hear these, all these languages that are not from that area and they begin to wonder what all of this is about. And so they begin and they settle on the fact that, hey, these guys must be drunk. And so the, that's what they settle on, that they think they're drunk. And so then we find out in the story that Peter, the one that we talked about last week, who Jesus would build his church upon and who was the first person to say, Jesus, you are the son of God. And he steps up in the middle of this group and he begins this epic speech to explain what is happening. And so the first thing he says, no, we're not drunk. The second thing he says is the Holy Spirit is descending on all people. And so then he walks through what Jesus is all about. He explains that Jesus came, lived, died and rose again, and then ascended into heaven. And so basically he sums it all up and he says, Jesus is who he said he was. And so his uh, challenge to the crowd and their like action from what he's saying is that you need to repent, turn to God and be forgiven and baptized. And so then finally he says, and the Holy Spirit 
will fill you. And so we pick up this story in Acts 2.39. And then this is what he says. This, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And so this is the next step in the progression of what Peter is saying is that it's not just for me. It's not just for you here of us gathered together. It's to those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord, our God. And so from here, Peter keeps talking. And in the end, there's now 3000 people all believing in Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they begin to wonder, well, how do we go from here? What has to happen? And so the church, that group of people who this happened to, they have to figure out what life is going to look like from here. And so we read in Acts 2, 42 through 47, the steps that they took to, to just live life together after this. And it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and a sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostle performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so you have a group of people brought together by a bunch of people yelling and screaming in other languages, and then they become the church. Out of this first experience, which Jesus told them to wait for, you now have a pure and organic expression of people coming together as the body of Christ. It is the first experience of the church combined with the promise for all those who are far away. And so that's what we want to talk about today in today's big idea. And that's this, is that God is for everyone. God is for everyone. God is for you, yes. God is for us, the church, yes. God is for everyone. It's progression. And the way I think about it, it's concentric circles focused on one point, and then they spread out to affect other people. Another way to think about it is that we believe first, we join together with other believers, but then we have to go and love others. And so the first picture of the church lives this out. Jesus reveals himself individually to people and personally. They're filled with the Holy Spirit together as a group, as a church. And then they live empowered lives by the Holy Spirit. And then others come to know Jesus. And so this is a picture of a people who understand the gospel is for all. That we serve a God who is for all people. And so remember last week we said Open Life Church is a church but part of the church. At Open Life, our mission is to be people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And, you know, eight years ago when we started Open Life, we, you know, we just simply said we want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. But we realized that that might insinuate that Open Life does the leading, that this inanimate object, the church, does something. And so sometimes we think that these inanimate objects, when we think of churches, we so often just think of a building or in our case, we meet at a school and we go there for church. And so we think that these inanimate objects are the key to bringing people to know Jesus. That a church building or a church service in a school is the missing piece in someone's faith. When in fact, it's all about the people. 
The church is people and that's plural. It's people. It's not about one person, unless you're talking about Jesus, of course. But when we're talking about people leading people, it's not about one person. It's about people, the group of believers who are joined together with Jesus, coming together to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We here at Open Life are people leading people. And so the question becomes, how do we communicate that God is for everyone? So from this passage in Acts that we just read, let's look at some ways that we can live our lives to show others that God is for everyone. And so the first thought today is that we need to be devoted to God. We need to be devoted to God. Acts 2.42 says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so they, these people that are gathered together knew these apostles and that they disciples and that, that they were the ones who walked with Jesus. They heard the things that Jesus said. They saw the miracles that Jesus did. And they saw the way that Jesus simply loved the people that he interacted with. And so they devoted themselves to knowing Jesus, even though they couldn't personally be with Jesus in the flesh. And so once they believed and were filled with the Holy Spirit, they chose to devote themselves to know more and more and more about Jesus. And that's the challenge that we all have too, as well. But just put yourself in those grooves and put yourself in the, the shoes of those people. And you're thinking about being told the stories of Jesus from these disciples and from the people that heard from him. Just think about like what it would have been to be taught like from the Old Testament or taught about the resurrection of Jesus and what that really means. What does it actually mean to follow him? And so we just, when you think about that, it's so amazing just to think about maybe the expression in their face or the words or maybe the inside stories that they said because they knew Jesus personally. And so it's a great thing for us to do and it's a challenge for us to devote ourselves to God as well. And But how can we do that? Well, the first thing that we can do is we can open up the scriptures. And Psalm 119.11 says this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's an important thing to just study the word and put it in our hearts and process it and think about it, contemplate on it, and just let it rest inside of us. And it is through scripture that we learn and begin to know how Jesus lived. And these stories of Jesus are worth knowing. They're worth our study because then we get to see how Jesus lived his life. He not only did all those things for us to be challenged by, but he literally does lives a life holy and worthy for God so that we can have example how to live our lives. And so maybe you have a Bible at home, but you've never pulled it off the shelf. Maybe you have a smartphone and you've never chosen to download like the version app or the Bible app. And so I encourage you today to think about, you know, when I go home, I'm gonna go grab my Bible or I'm gonna download the, the Bible app and I'm gonna start a reading plan or I'm gonna commit to reading each day scripture so that I can learn and study about who Jesus is, the life he lived and the challenge that I have to live with my life. And so you can, listen to the Bible. You can read it in segments. You can read different plans. You can do devotions, but however you do it, it's important that we take the time to study and listen and hear what God might be speaking us through the word. But that doesn't mean anything unless we pray as well. And so that's the second thing we can do in being devoted to God is prayer is how we communicate with God. And it's how I let him know what's up with my life. It's how I confess the things that I'm working through my life. And 
you can't be devoted to God if you don't know him and you can't be devoted to God if you don't communicate with him. And that's the simplicity of prayer. And you know, this past fall at Open Life, we walked through a six week series on prayer. And so if you missed it, I encourage you to go look back in our message archive and maybe you have specific questions about what prayer is. Well, that's a great series to just listen to and just to be challenged in your prayer life. We went through the Lord's prayer. And so a simple way to look at prayer is to use this acronym as we pray to kind of form an outline in our prayers is the first is just to praise that spells out pray it's p-r-a-y and the first word is praise and where we just say god you are awesome here's all the things i know about you here's the things i believe about you and then we move on to ourselves and the next word is r is repent and so we repent of the things that may be off in our lives where we have sinned and where we know we're not living um, up to what god would have us to live and so then then we can, once we do that, then we can begin to ask God. And so that's A, ask. And we might have things in our lives that we want God to work through or need his blessing in our lives or just some guidance and wisdom. We can ask God for those. And then finally is yield. It's Y, it's P-R-A-Y. And yield is the final thing where we say, God, I choose to yield to your will, your will first. And then I'm going to come alongside you where you're leading me. And so sometimes we just need simple things to help us guide our prayer life. And that's a simple thing to do is use that acronym, praise, repent, ask, and yield. And so then we can move on to worship. And so, so many times we think about worship only in context of singing, you know, at, at church and, you know, at open life, we always sing a few songs before we, you know, talk about the Bible and talk about how we're going to be challenged by the word. But, um, Worship is vitally important, more so because it incorporates our whole lives and the things that we do. And there's a passage of scripture in Romans 12 that says, Our spiritual act of worship is when we choose to give our bodies and our whole life as a living sacrifice to God. So when we know Jesus, when we pray and communicate with God and let our lives be changed by Him, our actual lives change and the things we do become worship to Him. And so this could be a walk on a rainy day where we choose to just rest in God's presence and his creation. It could be something that when we get our kids ready for school, we begin to see how God has blessed us to do that. And then that becomes an act of worship. The way we treat our coworkers is worship, how we love our spouses, how we live our lives if we're single, how we deal with sick family members, how we show up for our friends when they're in times of need, how we love our neighbors is worship to God. Our entire lives become worship if we devote ourselves to God. And so our next thought today is that we need to be in community with each other. That's the next way we can show God is for everyone. And when we're looking at the example of the early church from that Acts passage is we need to be in community with each other. And so it says this, all the believers were devoted themselves to fellowship, sharing meals, prayer, and worshiping together. And so they self-selected to be in a community with each other. And so it's so cool when we, when people who have no real commonality that then you might say, I would never hang out with this person other than I see him at church. And that's just the beauty of the unity that comes from following Jesus, where you can say, I have nothing in common with you, but because we love Jesus, we know we're connected. And that goes back to what we were talking about last week is yes, we're part of a church, but we're part of the church where we're connected with people all across the globe who choose, who have chosen to follow Jesus. And so we can be connected through with them 
as the body of Christ. And so there's some actions that we can do. First, we meet together. You know, each week at 10 a.m. at Bonnie Lake High School, Open Life meets. And it's an easy way. You know, we sing, we think about scripture, we pray. And so it's a step, but it's not very personal because it's just one action. And so we do other things. We eat together. And so this can mean a few different things. One, we take communion here at Open Life once ever, like really almost every month where we break the bread and dip it into the juice to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and how we are joined together through him. You know, at Open Life on the fourth or the last Sunday of each month, we also have a 10 minute party where our service is a little shorter and we take 10 intentional minutes where we can gather over donuts and just talk and get to know people. That's, you know, creating community in a small and tangible way over food, eating together. But you know, you think about your dinner table, you think about meals where you invite people. That's one of the easiest ways to connect with people is over food and over meals. Everyone eats. And when you can share that with someone, there's something, there's something that just creates community in that. So as we take these steps, then we become generous with each other. Each Sunday, we have a chance to give here at Open Life. And we try to make it intentional. And we try to do that through strategic generosity. And at the end of our service, Ed's going to talk about that and how we're doing that with Rescue Freedom right now. But we have events throughout the year. We have the school supply give, the community big give, where we come together intentionally. There's community that's being fostered and we're being generous to other people. Generosity creates community. It's corporate, but that creates community when we get to see the fruit of our gifts and of our labor and of our time that we've generously given. And so finally, the other way that Open Life does this is through groups, is that we're, we intentionally want to be in community with each other. You come together to talk pray, maybe even eat a dinner or a meal together in a smaller group. It's just definitely more personal, but it also takes more steps to get to that point. The simple act of coming together gets you into the life of someone else and you create this potential for deeper relationships. And so the byproducts of all of this community building is simply support for one another. The true sense of community happens when we enter into each other's mess of life and bring support, aid, or comfort in those in times of need. We see that when families have babies and meals are taken and supplies are provided for, when there's this sudden need. We have a new human in our family and we need help. And so it's so beautiful when that happens. We see that in times of death or tragedy, when that strikes in, our presence might be enough. And maybe it's more than that, where, you know, we're going to be there to cry, to comfort and process what might be going on together. So we see this when we hit milestones in our lives and people come together and celebrate a job promotion, a birthday, whatever it is. And but simply a chat over coffee, a breakfast, a lunch or dinner can get your mind off of your current situation that you might be facing in your life. And so that's when we can be there to support one another when we are in times of need. And so the result of this comes and we see this in Acts 247 where it says all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so that leads us to thought three is that we need to be for all people. We need to let the love that God has for us and the acknowledgement that yes, we're a part of a community move on to affect other people. And that's why it's so important because if we devote ourselves to God, if we commit to being a community together, the next step is to go to other people. God is for us. God is for you personally. And he's for everyone. 
It's the progression we've been laying out in the first three Sundays of this year to, you know, really set the trajectory of the year is that, yes, God is for you. He loves you personally. Yes, God is for us as a group of believers, but he's also for everyone. Those that we might not even know, God is for all those who might be far away. But, you know, sometimes we stop in the middle of this progression and we stunt the growth process before it can come to completion. Because, you know, sometimes we may know that God loves us, but we don't know if other people will. And we never choose to enter into community because we're scared that maybe they won't accept me or then maybe, you know, I'm just not going to find that like love or I'm not going to find that acceptance. And so we, we choose to just only rest on the fact that God loves us, but we don't ever let it go to community. But some of us, we know that God loves us and we've chosen to enter in community. And so other times we forget that actually God is for everyone because we've been so focused on ourselves and our group and maybe our community that we don't realize that God is actually for everyone. And that needs to grow. That needs to spread out. That needs to go to other people. And so we need to be for all people. Jesus' instructions were so clear on this. In Matthew 28, 19, one of his final things he said is that, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We need to go to all nations, go to all people. And so we know of Jesus over and over. He went to the least. He went to the dirtiest, the farthest. And sometimes we need to remember who we are and what we've been loved through and realize that no matter the situation that other people are in, that God is for everyone. When we intentionally let our lives be changed by these two factors, that one, God loves us, and two, that God, we've sacrificed for community, that God has sacrificed to establish his church, then when we realize those two things, that's when the gospel is going to spread. That's when the good news of Jesus can spread because you have this synergy that happens when brought together are people who know that God loves them and brought together by knowing that there's other people who are on this mission together. And from there, that goes on to those who are far away, who might be so far away that they've never even thought about coming to Jesus. And so hopefully you can see that progression. Hopefully we can begin to understand what it means to live lives that, you know, we're not so concerned about what other people might be thinking of us, that we begin to actually intentionally be a part of a community and say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of open life. I'm going to set roots into what it means to be a part of a body of Christ. And I'm going to, you know, whether it's serving on a Sunday or I'm going to be a part of a group so I can know what's going on in other people's lives. This has tangible aspects in each of our lives. And so the final question, kind of like our action point, but in the form of a question today is just simply this. How are you showing that God is for everyone? And you know, this question involves your personal thoughts, but it also involves us as a church. And so we're going to take time to process that together through prayer and through worship as a worship team, um, you know, sings and leads us in another song. And so this is just our final thing is, you know, how are you showing that God is for everyone? And so simply that might be you thinking, you know what, I've never chosen, chosen to fully, you know, know that God loves me. 
I haven't devoted myself to knowing Jesus and knowing his love for me and knowing his plan for my life. I haven't ever taken time to pray. I haven't ever, you know, taken time to truly worship. And when I've been given opportunity, I've never thought that worship could be something that I do with my whole life. And so maybe today you need to just know that God loves you. And so then the second thing, maybe you need to root yourself in community that you, you would say, I need to understand what this community is. I need to be in community. And so maybe today on your way out, you'll sign up for groups or maybe you will, uh, you know, choose to join a serve team. That's easily ways you can find that. All that is on the Open Life Church app or on our website where you can sign up and be involved in what Open Life is doing. But I encourage you, if you've never taken root in community, that's one step that you haven't taken. And finally, for all of us, let's be challenged to be for all people. Let's be challenged by God's love for us to show God's love to other people through the lives that we live. You know, God has just, you know, when I think about my own life, I just think of well, all the things that he's brought me from. And that gets me excited. And that gets me, you know, wanting to love other people. The farthest person, the person that would never dream that they could have a relationship with Jesus is the person that we need to go to. God loves you. God loves us. God loves everyone. And so let's pray together to conclude uh, this time together and just to dwell on that. We're going to pray. We're going to sing and just dwell on those three facts today as we think about that, how, how we can be for everyone. God, we just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for just the way that you've lavishly loved us, the way that you have established your church. I thank you for the relationships built here at Open Life and for the things that you're planning, you're continuing to do through us. And I just pray, Lord, that we would walk in your love, that we would walk in community, but God, that we would walk intentionally towards others so they know that they are loved by you as well. As we take time to process that and take time to think about that and dwell on those things, God, I pray that you would empower our hearts, that you would empower our minds. And God, let us be drawn towards your love ultimately, God, to be able to show that to other people. So we ask all this in your name. Amen.